Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss and the other has no idea what those topics are. My name is Mark Pesci, and with me always is the guy who's just a sexy boy, not just a boy toy, John Campagna. What's going on, John? That was less good, man. You got to get your rhymes oh, tighter. Oh, come on. That's a, that's a, that's a, oh my. I am a sexy boy. That's but, a tribute I mean. to Shawn Michaels there. <laughs> What's going on, Mark? We'll probably get actually sued for me saying that now that I think about it. WWE, not a sponsor. We got through the Ryan Reynolds thing. It's all good. That's true. Not only was it Ryan Reynolds, it was Ryan Reynolds pooping. <laughs> I'd, I'd def- still watch it. I'd still watch I'd it. I'd still watch it. Yeah. I don't know if I would. I, I draw the line there. <laughs> He'd be pretty funny, though. You guys are watching Ryan Reynolds poop. Is that what that? I would say well, we. I would watch Ryan Reynolds poop, and it still would be probably entertaining. AF. I still think Mark's probably watching it. He has some weird, weird hookup with, right with now, Blake Lively. Actually, like right now, they love being in Boston. I'm surprised <laughs> I haven't like ran into them. Also with us is our producer slash junior intern to the creative director Pete Stefan. How are you doing, Pete? Just keep getting demoted every time. Every time. I'm doing all right. Although I'm running out of levels. She's That's definitely fine. not telling us to do that. Yes, she is. <laughs> Pretty soon I'm just going to be like the walk-on guy off the street. Maybe I'll just start promoting stuff. Yeah. I think that's fair. Sounds good. No, I'm doing all right. I had a much more casual, chill week at work this week, finally. Got a big movie coming very soon. We'll, we'll be excited to talk about it. Is there a release date? Yeah, but I don't know what it is because, you know, I just <laughs> I just work on stuff. I don't I don't know. <laughs> With us today is our special guest, our college friend, Jeffem Pikars. Welcome to the podcast, Jeffem. Hey, boys. How are you doing? So I got a bone to pick with you guys right off the bat. What, row? All right. I've known these guys for 20 years. All right. 20 plus years. And I'm on episode eight. What is going on here? All right. <laughs> I mean, you, you did have kind of a busy year. You've so we were just giving things. you time. You've had lots of things in your life. All I'm hearing is excuses. That's, that's, we're, I mean, they, they are excuses. You know, in we're the words ramping of up to the... my old boss, they got streets named after guys like you. Okay. One way. All right. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, we want, also wanted you to be in the best mood possible. I mean, the Giants are in the playoffs and the Mets are just spending all the money in the world. So. All of Papa Steve's money. All of pa- Papa Steve. I think we didn't we call him Uncle Steve on some of the other shows. Yeah, we called him Uncle Steve last Uncle week. Steve. He's going to sponsor us, I think. Yeah, we're going to try. He's going. We're going to try. <laughs> he has the money for it. Anyway. Oh yeah, I mean the dude is loaded. I mean he's the richest hedge fund manager, right? That's that's his whole thing. But Uncle Steve made for a great Christmas, boys. I mean, yeah, he is. <laughs> I, I got to say, I think this is what John enjoyed for all those years with the Yankees. It is. Runner. I have to say, it's it's pretty nice. I, I It is pretty nice. He's just like, I want him. Just go get him, all right? I don't care how it costs. <laughs> yeah. That's it's his voice. Accurate. Like, That's exactly what he sounds like. 100% what he sounds like. Yeah. Awesome. No, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a crazy year, boys. It's been a crazy year for sure. So let's get to know our friend Jeffem, shall we? Now, when we were all in college, I distinctly remember driving around in your manual transmission minivans. However, over the years, you've had some other very interesting vehicles. So... Out of all your vehicles that you've had, which one has been the coolest and which one was probably the craziest one you've ever driven? So I would tell you, I think I've done more crazy stuff on motorcycles than I have on cars. But the the van they're talking about was a yellow, like mustard yellow van with a blue fender. And it was this 1985 Plymouth Voyager. The thing was a nightmare. It, it was uh, so sexy, you guys. And by sexy, you mean awesome. And deadly. It really won me a lot of dates. I can tell you that. Much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's quite the chick magnet. If the audience can picture a large shifter that was coming out of the floor of this very beautiful minivan. 
We'll have, we'll, have to, we'll have to find an, an old picture. Yeah. We, oh I'm my sure God, we have a picture yes. of it somewhere. I have a, actually it featured in one of the video projects I did. Amazing. It is, it yes, is. it's going on the website. Awesome. I actually found that video a little while ago and I was like, oh, wow, wow, this is a blast from the past. Like, oh my God. Yeah, I forgot I actually I did digitize honestly, those. Honestly, and I never told you guys the, the crazy stuff that happened in that van. I lost the brakes on it once on a hill with a bunch of friends in it. Oh, so shit. I had to like slowly try that. and... <laughs> down I mean, it was uh it, that thing was interesting for sure but if i really think about it so the craziest thing i've ever driven it's probably a motorcycle that was mostly taken apart my brother and i were rebuilding this old yamaha fzr 600 motorcycle and it was like a 1989 it had been in an accident so it had nothing on it like i mean literally no seat no handlebars and i was riding this thing around trying to fix it with no handlebars no it has no brakes as a result right i had nothing to, to stop it <laughs> So that that was probably one of the craziest things I did. But in terms of one of the coolest, oh man, I, I it, again, it's probably motorcycles. I've ridden some beautiful bikes. I I, I personally owned a uh, Triumph Daytona 675 for a lot of years, and that was that was a pretty sexy bike. Hell yeah! Like, I currently have a BMW GS1250, which is kind of like the adventure touring bike that every uh, every forty year old man gets on because they can't ride their old uh, their old crotch rockets anymore. <laughs> that's all right. That's probably it's, some it's of the an upgrade. stuff. I've- I was really hoping somewhere in there there's going to be a Seamus story. Seamus, oh my God, the, the the blue van there. The blue is that the blue van? Well, the pickup, right? Remember. The pickup. Mm. Oh man, the pickup, yeah. Seamus was pretty reliable, though. I didn't really have any problems with Seamus. So not was a lot it the of... yellow van that we climbed in after your friend got stuck on the top of a barbed wire fence and the cops came like three minutes later? Or was that my car? That was my car. That was your car. That was the Blazer, man. Yeah, that was the Blazer. That was a good uh, car, the too. the Blazer. Yeah, so John had this Chevy Blazer, this red one, and we had a lot of adventures in that thing, man. That was... Uh... That, that was the that was the ride back in college for sure. As far as for uh, show code, we can tell the story. Um, we were driving around in college, causing trouble. We went down this kind of abandoned road where we went to college, and there was this kind of abandoned factory that we were like, "Well, shit, you know, we're all twenty, making terrible decisions. Let's go in the abandoned factory." So we did, and um, we explored it, and then we left. And as we were leaving, we had to get over said barbed wire fence. And Jeffem's friend, who was last, got stuck on the top of it. And um, (laughs) as he's coming down, he rips his pants. And I'm not talking like a small rip. He rips pretty much his pants off. (laughs) And um, as he's getting in the car, like I'm the driver, right? As he's getting in the car, I see a cop go by behind us, like maybe uh, 200 feet. And I'm like, he's going to come. He sees the lights on. He's going to come. Everybody get in the effing car. So the cop shows up and I make a really good excuse. I'm like, oh, sir, I'm a dumb college kid. I got lost. And um, we drive away. John, I'm not letting you get away with that. Listen, John was cool as ice, everybody. All right. Hmm. John looked at this cop. I mean, literally, we're all sitting there. It's one of those moments where we're all like, oh, man, we're, we're screwed. We're getting arrested. That's what's happening right now. And John just looks at the cop and just goes, just turn it around, man. And he goes, oh, okay, have a nice night. And that was the whole exchange. I mean, it was smooth as silk. It was wow. ice running. I don't think I've ever been that cool. It was, it was pretty cool. I'm not <laughs> so let's move on with the questions and the one that I am very interested to know. Uh, first off, we as your friends and podcast wanted to take a hearty moment to give you a congratulations for your wonderfully hectic year. So everybody, we kind of mentioned it, but Jeff got married this year. He moved into a new house this year. And... 
he has a new baby. So now a few months into fatherhood, I wanted to get a read on your thoughts. So what's the best thing so far about fatherhood and maybe what's the hardest? All right. Well, first off, thank you. Thank you guys. Um, This is the first time I've actually talked like kind of in person to the three of you since. Yeah. 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 That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's amazing. So we had a little baby boy. His name is Noah and um, he's seven weeks today, actually. Mm. So honestly, fatherhood has been amazing. I'm not going to lie about it. It's been uh, everything that everyone advertises. I'm exhausted. We're both exhausted. <laughs> um, you know, there's time doesn't stop. By the way, yeah, yeah. I hear, I hear that. But at this, and, and you know, there's times where you're just like, he's just screaming, and you're like, oh my god, you, what do I do with this baby right now? But then there's those moments where he's just calm. He's looking in your eyes. He smiles, and it's just oh, the those smiles. moments. You, hmm. You're just like. You know, I don't care. I'll do anything for this kid. I don't even care. It's it's all good. It's all good. So I don't know it's how you fantastic. I don't know how you don't melt when a, a newborn baby smiles at you. I mean, you do melt. How how do you not yeah. melt? Yeah, yeah. It's literally like, and I know everybody says that you know their baby is the best, but I just want to state for the record, you know, my baby is the best. So. <laughs> Factu- factually, it's yeah, it's, it's an empirical measurement that yes. you've taken. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. So on another note, several years ago, you took a chance on your career and you let your job move you to Budapest. As a person who didn't really travel that much before, this sparked a love for traveling and introduced you to new cultures and places. So what was the coolest part about living abroad for multiple years? Would you do it again? And what about traveling a little bit more when Noah is a little older? Yeah, man. So to your point, yeah, if you'd ask my brother or any of these guys like, I was a homebody. I liked staying near people, near the things I was comfortable with. It was pretty crazy. It was, I was just working at a place in Boston and they said, Hey, you did some great work here. Let's send you over to our, our main offices in Hungary. Like, why don't we send you over there? And it was one of those moments I was like, wow, am I really going to do this? It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was scary. It was frightening. You're completely out of your comfort zone. Like it was, I don't know any, if anybody knows the Hungarian language, but it is about as far from, from English as you can get. So you, you basically get there and you can't even figure out like, where is the bathroom? <laughs> I remember like, uh, Shegeda. Which is something my great grandma would yell at grandma and for some insight for everyone, Pete is also Hungarian. Yeah, so I was in Pete's homeland. Yeah, I think um, I just said an insult on the radio in Hungarian. I'm not sure. It's totally fine. Nobody on <laughs> the radio and the podcast. The Hungarian fans Whatever will tell us is. what it means on the Discord. Yeah. So I would say though, it was guys. It was amazing. I mean, I would I would definitely do it again. Masha and I were already talking about. It. We're like, hey, like, where are we going to travel to next? In terms of just general travel, we're kind of funny. We're kind of a funny pair. So my, my wife's name is Masha and she she's kind of checked out all of Asia at this point and I've checked out most of Europe. So we were kind of chatting about like, where would we go? So we're thinking South America is probably going to be our next target Ooh. somewhere down there. Hell yeah. I think we're latest idea is Colombia right now. Isn't that heard- the most per capita waterfalls in the world? think so yeah yeah Probably. traveling is amazing i definitely got the travel bug in terms of living abroad i would definitely do it again um just getting to live in another culture it's so different than even traveling because you really get immersed in it you meet the people you get to know them and you get to see how you're different and how you're the same um it was it was so cool i made some great friends over there um i'd do it again in a heartbeat and I, living that expat life yeah man yeah yeah it's, and the expat thing is cool too because 
it's like you get launched into a community of people like you. Like you get there and you you look for the expat community and it's like, oh, we're in the same situation. We came here six months ago. Or yeah, we're doing another ago. cool work thing for this cool work thing and we're from, you know, Louisiana. Yeah. That's so awesome. It becomes like a, yeah, it becomes like a natural like support system, basically. Hmm. A lot of fun. I and, and anyone thinking about it, if you if you even have the opportunity, the inkling, just Go do it. That's what so. I how was Scar- how was Scarlett Johansson when she was filming uh, Black Widow over there? When you were there, was she oh, nice, dude? <laughs> it was crazy. I, I was just was I talking to you guys about this? I so I've known for actors, I've known for years, like literally since you were there, that that's that happened while you were there, and then because of COVID, it kind of was pushed back a little bit for when it was released versus when it was filmed. But yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So I never saw Scarlett, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So you know, Scarlett, you know, sorry we missed each other. So an interesting Scarlett Johansson aside, um, I went to uh, Regis High School in New York City um, back in the 90s, in the late 90s. I was one year older than Scarlett Johansson's current husband, Colin Jost. Did you did you know him? Did you? I did him? not know him. I looked Aww. at pictures of him to see if I recognized him, but I didn't. Melanie is very upset with me that she doesn't know Colin Jost, though. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you met him at some point and just don't know. I bet I met him. Well, the way I explain it is that the way that school worked, there were people from all the boroughs. I lived, I grew yeah. up in Westchester, so did Jeff. Um, Colin Jost grew up in Staten Island, and mm. we haven't really talked to Staten Island kids. <laughs> no, nobody and all wants. the New Yorkers get that. Who, who talks to Staten Island? Come on. <laughs> right. Nobody wants yeah. to talk to Staten Island. Yeah. No. So you know Colin Jost, or I'm sorry, you were supposed to know Colin Jost. I mean, that's the best combo on SNL right now in uh, Weekend Update. Him and uh, Michael Che. Him and Che. He's a... Well, he writes, he's a head writer now. Is he really? Yeah, he's yeah. the head writer now. Uh, what's his face? Seth gave it to him when he left. He's been the head writer. Hmm. He's been the head writer the whole time. It's been funny. That's, yeah. Well, Seth was way, way, way too political. I don't like Seth Myers. No. I feel like I have to like Seth Myers because he's a New England boy, but I, hmm. you're right. I'm not on board with Seth Myers either. All right, Jeff. Um, thanks for answering those questions and letting us get to know you a little bit better. Let's say we all get started. Are you ready, everyone? Hell yeah. Yeah. Do it. It is I, the first topic. Now, interesting enough, even though this weekend has the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, I think the biggest story from this past week was everything going on with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. As you may or may not know, they have been involved in a two-year standoff regarding a contract extension. This past season was the last year of his rookie deal where he earned a measly $23 million. (laughs) But before this season, the Ravens did offer him a five-year extension worth over $250 million, but only $133 million guaranteed. This comes after the Browns signing Deshaun Watson to a fully guaranteed $250 million contract, the Broncos signing Russell Wilson to a $242 million contract with $161 million guaranteed, and the Cardinals signing Kyler Murray to a $230 million contract with $189 billion guaranteed. So, gentlemen, what will ultimately happen with Lamar Jackson? Well, I'll tell you what, and I've sa- I actually said this on the podcast earlier in the season, that Lamar Jackson was my, at that time, favorite quarterback in the NFL, not including my boy Danny Dimes, go Giants. And I think Lamar Jackson got kind of a rough pull this year. Like, most of that team got injured, and the Ravens went from a pretty solid contender to kind of an afterthought and they ended the season as an afterthought kind of just went out with a puff i think lamar jackson is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks in the nfl the problem i think for lamar jackson is his team's not that great and 
it probably suits Lamar Jackson to go somewhere else. Even though Harbaugh says uh, on the record for all these articles that he says he's going to finish as a Raven. A lot of people think he's going to stay because, right, he's Lamar Jackson, he's a Raven, and they want him. I don't know if he will. There's a lot of teams that would be very willing to pay him at the level of Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Absolutely. more. Absolutely. I personally don't think he's very into the way that he plays is a somewhat reckless. I mean, he he plays like he's got the the body like a Josh Allen, but he doesn't. He's he's a little bit smaller frame. While he's very exciting to watch and he's very entertaining on the field, he the last two seasons he has not played a, a full 17 games. And while the team tends to win a lot uh, more with him behind center, Personally, if I ran the Ravens, I, w- I would not want to sign him to, to a long deal. And it seems like I think the Ravens are kind of doing that, too. They're probably going to shop him around. A lot of people think they're going to franchise tag him and then potentially trade him from, from there. Because you're absolutely right. Someone else is going to pay him a lot of money. I think it just suits him. I mean, where are the skill players on the Baltimore right, Ravens? Right, no skill players. And it's a run-first offense, too. Yeah, that was... I actually think Dobbins is good. They If they just got one stud receiver, I think they'd be fine. Like, what happened to Sammy Watkins, Pete? I don't know. He got old. I don't think he was ever not old. He always played like he was like... That's true. It's debatable man. whether or not Sammy Watkins was really a really good NFL wide receiver. He was a great college receiver. He never met his potential. He never fired at all. I agree with that completely. No, it's funny. He does play pretty recklessly. Like if you watch him, it almost reminds me of Cam Newton. But Cam Newton was bigger and Cam stronger. Cam Newton was a tank. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so it's like it's like similar style play when you watch him, but it's like, dude, you're 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 not the same body type. So, and I don't know, man. After I was reading about his injury, the PCL that that's a the PCL is kind of a funny injury. Um, mm-hmm. They don't know as much about it from my what I understand. It's harder mm-hmm. to come back from. It's harder to stay healthy once you injure it. Cause it's kind of in the back of your knee. It's kind of in this funny spot. And I mean, his legs are a huge part of his game. Yep. So I think unfortunately for him, his value is pretty much at his lowest right now. He's, he's, it sounds to me or it feels to me like he took a gamble and I, you know, this is one of those situations where I think it might've screwed him. Yes. So, I mean, it looked really good. Um, first four games, he looked like an MVP candidate. He was, you know, the Ravens were scoring 40 a game, right? Like I had him in fantasy. I was mm-hmm. like, my season's locked. It's totally set. And then, you know, it happened. the Ravens happened, and they fell apart from the inside. All the running backs got injured. Mark Andrews stopped being amazing, and Lamar Jackson got hurt, which is literally what happens every season. What do you guys make of all the drama now, though? Because there's a lot really of drama. Weird. Yeah, he didn't travel with the team, and that, that was really... Well, yeah. to, to be fair, to be fair, that was an away game. And a lot of times when you're hurt, injured players don't tend to travel with teams. However, it was really interesting that Lamar was the one that broke the news about his PCL and not the team. This is potentially has something to do with Lamar Jackson not having an agent trying to represent himself. This also has to do with the fact that the Ravens did undervalue him a little bit, especially when you compare him to the other three contracts that I, I mentioned with Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray... And Russell Wilson, in a lot of respects, is like, is that really like the Ravens' fault? Like three, these three teams drastically overpaid, especially Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah. yeah does that oh, Russell yeah. Wilson contract totally skew the quarterback market it's, for it's the, the next worst five years? Move that any team has done in a long time. Honestly, both the problem is in both those contracts, Sean Watson and 
Russell Wilson, those were just stupid contracts. It like skewed the whole market. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Crazy. So I don't know. I, I don't even think the market was correct. There's there's so much going on here. I, I feel bad for Lamar. I do. Yeah. He's a super talented player. I think he's going to land just fine though. Like if, if the Ravens don't want him, somebody else will take him because yes, while he's super, when he's healthy, super elusive as a runner, quick. And I think he's a better thrower than like you were comparing him to Cam Newton. Like, yeah, he may not be as tankish, but he can throw better than Lamar that. Lamar has a good arm. A very good arm. And I, I think that can make him last long into his career, even when he's not running as much. He's a, he, I mean, we can, we can mention this before. He has no one to throw to. Right. So, I mean, he did have Mark Andrews, and but that's that's only one guy. And I think to be an explosive offense these days, you need to have multiple targets. What is also very interesting is that Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, the man who was given a lot of credit to change the entire offense around to fit Lamar Jackson, recently got fired. They're looking for a brand new offensive coordinator. So I don't know if that's a maybe a ploy to to get uh, in the negotiations for his contract or not, but they're, I think they're, they're certainly trying. Get to the next topic. Do it. So guys, and as I keep saying at the beginning of the 2022 NFL season, the future of the Giants was unknown and, you know, even kind of bleak. After a terrible 2021 season where their record was 4-13 and and the office was in shambles, it seemed that there was one glaring issue. They didn't have a franchise quarterback. On Sunday, my boy, Daniel Jones, go Giants, Uh, silence those critics, (laughs) becoming the first QB in playoff history to have at least 300 passing yards, 70 rushing yards, and two passing touchdowns in a game. He also became one of the youngest Giants QBs to win a playoff game since Eli Manning. So, after one reasonable season, will the Giants double down on Daniel Jones for 2023 and resign him since they did waive his fifth year, so they do actually have to resign him? And I think as another question on top of this, uh, does Brian Dable win coach of the year? I, I do have some opinions on this, but I'm going to defer to the other Giants fan on the, the this episode right yeah. now. So go ahead, Jeff. Repeat? Oh, no, no, no. Nope. Oh, that's right. He he, he oh, went it's, to the New York team. It's well documented. I'm the, the, the real New York team. <laughs> well documented or the team that, that Pete's Don't give me that New Jersey Giants bullshit. I'm not in, mm. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> no, the Giants. <laughs> so, all right. I, I am a... I'm a Giants fan. I'm a more casual Giants fan than John. But what I will say is I, I'm not as convinced, John. I it's still Danny Dimes to me. Oh, that's surprising. I know. I, I know. Did you see Everyone, the big dime that they brought to uh to the game last week? Oh, I saw it. I saw it. He looked good last game, no question. But I mean, that is the best game. Uh, he has not looked that good in any other game. So he rose to the occasion. That's freaking awesome. But man, there's a lot of a lot of history with him. He he has not looked <laughs> he has not looked that that good. That said, this year he's looked pretty good. He has looked a lot better this year with Brian Dayball as his coach. Yes, he, he has. They also though they rebuilt the offensive line around him. They gave him weapons. I mean, he's got he was in the like perfect position to be good. So I, there's a question in my mind like, okay, how much of it is him? How much of it is a combination of all the weapons, all the all the help they gave him, the coaching? So I am not as convinced. That said, um, the Giants have no business being in the playoffs. I'm loving that they're there, though. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the you keep bringing it up. And um, guys, Jeff is going to host a Super Bowl party this year because if he has to because the Giants are in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, I think the Patriots are going to get in because that's what happened the last two times. Jeff has been saying it. The Giants in 07 
looked like this. Nobody expected them to make the playoffs. Nobody expected them to win the wild card round. They shouldn't have won the divisional round, which somehow they did. And that's what it looks like. And so Mark's been saying, I'm going to quote everybody on the show this week. Mark's been saying that the Eagles are very vulnerable to the run. Saquon Barkley, healthy, finally. They are. First time he ever really has been. And, you know, you look at that game on Sunday. Guess who else is running? Danny Dimes is running. Hmm. Absolutely. Running and looking like a gazelle somehow. He's fast. I didn't know that. And, and that's, that's still hurt. That's one reason why the Giants, ha- I think, have looked as good as they have is because Danny Dimes has. By the way, I don't really remember what his last name is actually now. Because <laughs> I'm just we're just calling it Danny Dimes. Dimes is so like, much better. I, I I think about that. It's like what is his real last name, and I ne- can never <laughs> remember it. He he's almost he's he's almost like a Lamar Jackson, and he's been he's been running and throwing. He's been running a lot. And did you see that no look pass this weekend? That was like mm. Sports Center no look whoa, pass. Whoa, hold on, I thought only Pat Mahomes is allowed to do those in the NFL. Nope. Apparently, also Danny Dimes are a completely average, totally not Eli Manning quarterback. Yeah. I literally (laughs) joked with John Pete on on a thread. I was like, did, was he watching Josh Allen play or something? Like, what's yeah. going on? He got inspired. Right. Like, this was crazy. When they drafted him, I heard something really funny. Daniel Jones is the guy they hired to play Eli Manning in a movie about Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the final insight, and this is the biggest piece, right? And Pete will tell you this. Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator for the Bills when they drafted Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, actually, they brought him in to fix Josh Allen. And oh, that's right. Him. That's true. Right. When, when they fixed Josh. And, Brian Dable fixed Brian Josh Dable Allen. Fixed Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. By year so, two of Dable, they were like the best offense in the NFL. But guys, like, let's be honest. Like, look at it. this was Saquon's year, man. Like mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He carried this team and your fantasy team and my fantasy team. For the record, yes. Um, the other thing I'm going to call out, John, I. I'm going to be a true New York sports fan and be incredibly skeptical of my team right now. The defense for the Giants in 07 was way better than it is this year. Oh, absolutely. But sure. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, he, he's going to be a beast. He's going to be like pretty much, I think he's going to be up there with Strahan. I hope so. I think so. We'll yes. The, God, those defensive backs we had that year. I mean, it was uh, it, it was a different team. I'm hoping though. I'm hoping. My fingers are crossed. I, hey, I, I would love to see a Giants-Bills Super Bowl rematch. Hell Yeah. I'm in for that. I don't think I don't know if either team is going to. I think then I have to go to Buffalo and watch it with you, Jeff. I'm like, I'm sorry. I have to make fun of Pete when the Bills lose. (sighs) I mean, I I get that. That, I'd understand in that situation. (laughs) But just keep in mind, you know, if I'm hosting Super Bowl party and the Giants are in, the Giants are going to win. So just just bear that. that, And I mean, could we talk about the rest of the Giants defense, too? I mean, we have Adderay Jackson, who completely shut down Justin Jefferson this past weekend. He did his job. And, you know, Dexter Lawrence, who looked like a madman, getting in everyone's way. I mean, the def- the defense is not the 07 defense. I'm not saying that it is. But it is not a bad defense whatsoever. I don't even think it's a 2011 defense. And I'm- hey, they lost in the first round in 2011. <laughs> shut up. Kirk Cousins looked like Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins as usual. Like... God, that throwaway pass he made at the end. I mean, he looked, he, he just did all those things, all the things we know him for, all the yips all the things. Hands, all the it's it's a QB makes. with good numbers, but then doesn't do that X factor to win a game. He, yeah. he did so many Kirk Cousin things. Can I just say before we exit this topic, I think the Giants are going to double down on Danny Doimes. <laughs> First off, 
always do that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, that's a really important point. Like, down what kind of money Dimes. does Danny Dimes get this season? You know, because yeah. he's going to get a new contract. People mm-hmm. are thinking he's going to get about 30 a year, which I think is pretty fair, kind of average. Um, he's not the best quarterback. He's not the worst quarterback. But You think he's he's actually going to, they're actually going to offer him a $30 million year, a year deal. That's the average quarterback. I think rate that's these days. what they cost if they oh, want to have a franchise quarterback. I can't with you. Yep. I, I can't do that. It's it's a fifty million a year ceiling now for QBs for wh- whoever the next like Mahomes or Allen contract or whatever. It's going to be that high. Guys, Joe Flacco. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> the one good year where they went to Super Bowl and every other. I, I don't know. I think Russell Wilson has surpassed Joe Flacco now with bad contracts. Oof, that Russell Wilson contract. I know this is like the fourth time I've said it. They should just cut him. Yeah. I, no. I don't know how they didn't see that coming though with Russell Wilson. They can't cut him. They owe, they owe him so much money. <laughs> just eat the contract, man. He looks. That's terrible. a lot of that's a lot of money to eat. They should they should pull a Carson Wentz and trade him to somewhere. Give them to the Colts. They seem to take dying quarterbacks. The Jets might take them. Well, that's true. The Jets Maybe. will take everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's different. Oh, Adam wrong. Gase. What they're going to do, you know, they're going to bring somebody else in to try and work with him and try and coach him. But that guy's uncoachable. Everybody said it. Everybody's always talking. He mm. doesn't listen to anybody. He thinks he's God. I mean, he's, there's no way. Hey, we said it last week. If Pete Carroll can fix him, nobody can. Yeah. Next topic. So the Jacksonville Jaguars completed the third best comeback in NFL playoff history after defeating the Los Angeles Chargers 31-30 last weekend. It was a tale of two halves, especially for Trevor Lawrence, as he threw four interceptions in the first half, only to be followed by four subsequent touchdowns. Overall, Lawrence experienced a big turnaround with head coach Doug Peterson after finishing the year with a 6.7% higher completion percentage, 478 more passing yards, more than twice as many touchdowns and half as many interceptions. However, his reward for winning is facing the number one team in the AFC in the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid. So, gentlemen, do the Jags have any chance against the Chiefs and or could this be a coming out party for Trevor Lawrence? So I just got to say something about Trevor Lawrence before I got started. Doesn't he look like the kid who always wanted to play QB when you played like pick up football in, in high school? He actually reminds did you guys remember the movie Remember the Titans with Denzel yeah, Washington? He yeah. reminds me of Sunshine. It yeah. does remind me of Sunshine. That's a good that's a good point. Uh, yeah. A real life sunshine. I don't know what to think about the Jags, to be honest. They are are having a little bit of a Giants year too. They're much better coached. Their skill players are turning up. It's finally been Travis Etienne's season. Like he looks great. And I think a well-rounded offense, and this is the thing that the Giants are experiencing this year that they didn't experience last year, I think a well-rounded offense makes you harder to cover. Um, You don't just pack the box. You don't just have everybody playing zone in the backfield. And when you can't do that, it makes you make decisions. Compared to the Ravens, I think really a lot of the uh, Jags skill players are very good. I think that they are going to probably continue to be good. Are they going to be the Chiefs? No. The Chiefs are going to really, really abuse them badly. The Chiefs' defense isn't the greatest, though. Yeah, they almost lost to Houston. The Chiefs actually had to pull out a lot of close victories this year. But yeah, they yeah. Houston was was on there too. But these are some of the notes that I jotted down. With regards to points per game that they give up, they're actually about middle of the pack. They're the 10th worst in total yards that they've given mm. up. And they are actually next to last with regards to the amount of red zone touchdowns given up. So the defense is susceptible. Now, 
One thing that some of the shows have been highlighting is the Kansas City Chiefs have Chris Jones, one of the the better defensive tackles in the league. And the middle of the Jags offensive line isn't the greatest. So they're actually thinking that Chris Jones is going to go off in this game, which means that Trevor Lawrence probably isn't going to have a lot of time to throw. That would definitely ruin their parade. Damn it. Well, as you know from the bet that you lost, Mark, that Travis Etienne did get injured in the middle of the season, but is healthy again and looks pretty good. Uh, I think he's going to be a good pro. So I don't know. He's Trevor Lawrence. Like, feel like what you saw in that game, it was the tale of two halves, right? You called it out. The first half, he looked like he did last season. And then the second half, he looked like he did this season. So I don't know. I'd almost be like, which one of them is going to show up? He was making a lot of decisions that he made like his rookie season, but he was trying to force a lot. I don't know if it had to do with nerves I mean, he did kind of admit that he was a little bit nervous when he first started out. And then, you know, the butterflies just kind of go away. You're right. Who, which Trevor Lawrence is, is going to show up, but there is the potential for him to have a pretty good game. I mean, you make, you make a good point though. I mean, he's 23. Very that young. was his first playoff game. I think that it took him two quarters of football to get over that, mm-hmm. to really kind of settle in, understand where he is. Maybe some of the guys told him something inspiring or made him relax. Maybe the coaches did. Maybe he took an ambient, you know, maybe he took something, right? <laughs> Not an ambient, but maybe he, took, maybe he took something, right? Because of course, right? Some, some Adderall or but something. Those magic right. shots that the training staff give yeah. you on the NFL sideline. Like, who knows? Because the Jekyll and Hyde thing was literally like a different guy. And some of those throwaways in the first half were very, very poor. If, oh, yeah. If he's got to get into a shooting match with with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, come on, guys. There's no way. Like, yeah. Mahomes is going to run up the score because he's Mahomes. The, the Kansas City's offense is unbelievable. It's probably going to be a high-scoring game. And I just, I'm sitting here like, you think Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to keep up? No way. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think maybe it, he has the potential at some point in his career just with the the ceiling that he has, but I don't just think not he's now. there yet. Just not yeah, now. He's, he's not ready yet. I thought, I thought maybe I could get a little bit out of you guys. I mean, you're out, you're probably right. Hey, the Chiefs such have got to blow him all out of the water. I'm hoping. I'm just not expecting. I mean, will I make a few dollar sports book bet on the Jags? Maybe. <laughs> I love me a long shot. If it wasn't the Giants, I'm a, I'm a Chiefs fan. Like Mahomes is a magician. I like Andy Reid. Like, I, I don't know. It's, Andy Reid's a good coach. They're fun to watch. Yeah, and they're exactly they're so much fun to watch. Travis Kelsey, I mean, that's a fun team to watch. And I don't know, dude, I have never seen an athlete like Patrick Mahomes. That that guy is he is different. The things he can do with his feet, with his arm, his, his head, like his decision making, like it's just like holy smokes, this dude is good, and he gets better every year. It feels like it's it's unbelievable. Can you believe that he was a second round quarterback? Uh, he was drafted in the second round, and he didn't play the entirety of his rookie year. Yeah, that's that's just stupid. Well, they had Alex Smith, right? They did. And Alex Smith was a pretty good quarterback at the time. They really had no reason to bench Alex Smith for Mahomes. Obviously, they replaced Alex Smith with Patrick Mahomes and the rest well, is... I mean, decision. Mahomes went from Cliff Kingsbury to Andy Reid, you guys. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> to a little callback. That's yep. true. Mahomes was a first-round pick in my fantasy team. I was literally watching videos of Mahomes flat-footed standing in one end zone and throwing to the other. Yeah, there's like two or three QBs with the arm to do that. And Mahomes has that and he has the head on his shoulders to like maximize. I think that's a good point. He's probably maybe the best quarterback football mind. I'm actually convinced that Mahomes like throwing quarterbacking left-handed is probably still better than Zach Wilson. (laughs) I'm also not a lefty. 
I still think that's the biggest difference. With <laughs> come on, Mongus. guys. Also not not come on, give it to me, man. <laughs> but I, I, I don't. I, I would just say I'll, I'll lay it down right here. I think the Jags are going to get blown out. Mm. What's the score, Jeff? I don't. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be close. What's your over under? Thirty-one seventeen. Boom. Thirty-one seventeen. All right. All right. I like it. Time to get moving on to the next topic. So I'm going to change gears entirely, you guys. Changing times are coming for the 2023 baseball season. Uh, these changes were announced in September of this past year, and the first of these changes will take place on opening day 2023. Uh, these were all agreed on as part of the collective bargaining agreement that ended the 2022 MLB lockout. And we've already seen some of those things. We've seen the universal DH and the expanded playoff schedule. As a baseball fan, a lot of the rest of this list seems a little crazy, but I'm going to list them out for you. First off, there's going to be a pitch timer um, on top of the pitch timer. Infield shift restrictions. There's going to be changes to the pickoff rules. A more balanced schedule. This one really blew me away. Ads on the uniform, you guys. Ads on the uniform and bigger bases. So, gentlemen, what's wrong with baseball? And what do they hope to gain by changing so much in so short a time? So with regards to the pitch clock, people are saying that baseball games are too long, which is interesting because, you know, they take about as long as an NFL game. But obviously there's more action going on during an NFL game. So relatively speaking, a baseball game seems a little longer to the casual fan. I actually think the biggest possible change, though, is happening in the minor leagues with the addition of robot umps. That one I am very cautious of because I actually think having a human umpire is all part of baseball. Having a different strike zone for essentially every single umpire, like that's just something that's a part of the game. And I so I, when I learning think, it, learning it like as the game goes on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think you have to keep the human umpire aspect of it. The major league umpires are in a union, too. So they're probably going to fight the whole robot umpires if it ever gets to the majors. I mean, the, they use the minor leagues to test a lot of these. I mean, they had the pitch clock in the minor leagues and it seemed to actually work out pretty well. So I'm actually a, a, a fan of the pitch clock. Personally, the one that I'm not a fan of though, they, and they implemented this last year, the having um, a relief pitcher at least pitch to three batters. I, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of that personally. While the interchanging of pitchers within the same inning does take a little time, it also, it changes the strategy a lot as well. If now they have to pitch to three different batters, because you don't have that, that one guy that's really meant to you know, uh, back in the, the Red Sox days to battle David Ortiz, lefty versus lefty. And I'm also not a big fan of the the defensive shifts, uh, banning those. I mean, I get why they're doing that, but why can't batters just learn to, you know, actually hit the baseball to the opposite field? I'm really torn on this one. I'm kind of with you, Mark, but I will say, I think these are a good start. I'm going to call that out. Guys, baseball has gotten so boring. It's just literally strikeout and home run now. It's it's yeah. so boring. And it's like strikeouts used to mean something. You know, it used to be like, wow. Yep. Like what they just struck that guy out. He oh man, he struck out swinging or oh, he was looking at that pitch. Now it's like batters 100, 130, 140 strikeouts. That's normal. I mean, this is yeah. crazy. And everybody's doing this launch angle crap trying to hit home runs. The average length of a game in 1980 was two and a half hours. Now it's over th it's three. But it's just over three. It, like I love baseball. It is like that is my favorite sport. But man, I, even I have trouble at this point. Just the number, of, the number of 
pitcher changes, the just nobody's ever on base. And I personally, I'm a National League guy, I'm a Mets fan. So the one that I actually think they missed I, and I wish they would have done is stop the batter from getting out of the damn box. You watch games from the 70s, that yeah. is the difference. Yeah. Now it's like these guys, every pitch they get out, adjust the gloves, do this. Oh, dance in the, dance in the side. It's like stay in the effing box. That's a good point. Like that's the one that they need to fix and they won't do it. And I don't know why. I, I don't understand why they didn't implement that. They're, they're picking on the pitchers an awful lot. The pitchers and the defenses. Yeah. I mean, the shift is actually, that's a really big change too. Yeah. Well, they want to keep offense in, in the game. They, they think that offense is going to make everyone happy. But See, we talked about this last week, right? You got guys like Giancarlo Stan. You got lots of guys like him that they hit 240 and they don't play in the outfield. They make $30 million a year and they're a complete waste. They're a waste on a roster. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. To me, not even that big of a baseball fan, but like, yeah, it seems like it takes a lot of the nuance out of the game if you're just all or nothing every time with these hitters. I think the the pitch clock does seem like a good idea. I agree with Mark. No, no robots. Do you guys think this is Manfred trying to make his like make his stamp on baseball? I mean, baseball's in trouble. I mean, they really are. That among younger fans, they are losing younger fans bad. I mean, the number of younger fans, I think it's like under the age of forty, that say that baseball is their top sport. It's like at eight percent now. Oof. That's crazy. It's looking really bad. They they have to do something. They're and rosters are going up. We've mentioned that the last three weeks. Yeah. And and then on top of it all, revenues are going down. They're not mm-hmm. going up. They're going the wrong direction. So it's they've got to do something different. And, and football just keeps slipping in. They're like, hey, you guys want to see more games? Yeah, I know. Hmm. We're like, yeah, we do football. We're sorry. And and I'll call out that. That's the other thing. I think the season's too long. They keep adding more more playoffs, and it's just getting to the point. It almost feels meaningless. It's just like, it's like, why do I even watch the regular season then? You're just going to add another five, ten games at the end of the year. It's like they also change the rivalry rules: less games against division rivals, less games against um, more games against interleague. They're trying to kind of fix the schedules. Well, there's an odd number of teams in both the American League and the National League, so they you have to have at least one interleague series every week now, or every yep. every time. And I hate. The DH in the NL. I hate. See, it. I don't mind the DH in the because who wants to see a pitcher bat? Oh, dude, come on! I love to see, especially when the American League pitchers come over and try and bat. It's awesome. <laughs> remember? Do you guys remember Randy Johnson trying to swing a bat? Yes, <laughs> yes, I definitely do. That is a large man looking very silly. But that's the only time I ever look forward to a, a pitcher batting. Like, like, come on. Uh, I I don't think so. I I love small ball. I love I love action on the base. Well, small ball is different than a pitcher batting, but it's a part of it, right? It's a part of the strategy because the pitchers there can help move the the runner along. I mean, there's. I just think that they've got to do more with the offense. Football is more interesting. I get the games are about the same length, but there's more going on during the game. If you're just sitting there waiting for a home run, right? I mean, that's boring. There's so much more tension, right? You're sitting there and like, oh man, man on for is he gonna steal is he gonna steal second or oh man in scoring position, right? You're you're sitting there and you're like, ooh, there's like a tension that gets built when, when you've got action on the bases. It's they gotta do something to, to bring some of that feeling back. Well, you said it before. They're interested in launch angle, exit velocity, and with pitching, their the spin rate is is the big thing for pitching. You don't have those Tony Gwynns that can just put the ball anywhere that they want. I actually think if a GM is looking at this in a year or two, having a bunch of batters that could just 
hit the ball anywhere, put the ball anywhere that they want. Now, while it might be a bunch of guys that can just hit singles and doubles and not a lot of home runs, the way that the the game is right now, it just seems like that would be almost that would be invigorating and it would be a little bit revolutionary because sounds different. Yes. It'd be like, like the early 2000 Yankees. Like now Hmm. granted you had the Paul O'Neill's and the Tino Martinez that did nothing but pull the ball, but you had like a Bernie Williams and Derek Jeter. Well, we all Derek Jeter just went off the field, but, (laughs) (laughs) but those guys could do everything. Right. And the on-base percentage was so high. Right. And the whole lineup was dangerous. I mean, there wasn't a throwaway batter in that lineup. And I mean, if the Yankees right now, and that's what I was going to say, the Yankees right now are an example that home runs don't win baseball. They don't. They don't win baseball and they never will. And it's because people, pitchers are too smart now and they're too good now. And if you're, you got three 40 plus guys and maybe two 20 plus guys, they just don't pitch to them. Right. Or they know exactly where their weak points are. They know, you know, high up and in. Like, how are you supposed to hit a 90 mile per hour fastball out of the park when it's up by your eyes and in your chest? Like, you can't. It's impossible. What I would honestly love to see them do with the offense, like if they want more balls in play, they've got to do something with the strike zone. They've got I think they got to raise it because if they raise the strike zone, suddenly all those launch angle hitters got to start trying to swing at stuff high in the zone. And that's a totally different swing pattern. So it's it, it's going to force them out of those patterns. I mean, I think a couple of years ago they did actually try that, but the problem with doing that, like the beginning of the year, it starts a little higher, and then as the year goes on, it just goes back to what the umpires have are normally or want to call it. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. I'll throw out the other thing that baseball is missing right now is characters, like yes, guys like Manny Ramirez, like. Come on. I still remember his antics. I mean, I still I also remember his bat. I mean, talk about a guy who could hit anywhere on the field. I mean, that was unbelievable. Some of those like care and even like what you mentioned, John, the Derek Jeters, the people who were like these these personalities. Yeah, the personalities. Baseball's missing those those types of players right now. I mean, I mean, who can you name right now that's like you're really like you're really like, wow, that person is like they're an all-star. They, they've got a huge personality. Like who? Like, I mean, well, you know, on that point, I bet most Americans don't know who Shohei Otani is, right? Not. I don't know who that is. And he is probably the best player in baseball. Hands down. Oh, well, Mike, down. Tr- Mike Trout was also the quote unquote best player in baseball. And and I actually think Mike Trout has, has a secret personality, but they just haven't showcased him. Right now, I think Aaron Judge is helping because he's he's just such... Well, that was very He doesn't have a really... Baseball. He's not a personality either, though. He's just... A, he was a guy that was doing really well. Now, keep in mind, the, the big season that quote, quote, brought baseball back, especially after the 94 strike, was the 98 season with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, the big home run chase. Now, granted, we know kind of the things they were doing on the side however (laughs) they were two guys that had personalities and were chasing history so you're right Aaron Judge I think helped out with that but Aaron Judge was not that charismatic player that really that people wanted to follow like I mean we've mentioned this on the other things with like tennis you you need like a Tiger Woods someone that is Mm -hmm. with the personality is charismatic and people they just want to emulate they want to be this guy or a heel. We could use a heel too. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind a baseball heel. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and just people, on that, people love to boo Jose Canseco. It's, love <laughs> to boo Jose Canseco. 
It is interesting what you guys are saying, though, because we really do. I mean, we have like one of the best players in history probably playing right now. Otani is un- two-way player. Like, who is like that? Like Unbelievable. Babe Ruth. Like, Babe Ruth. He's, he's incredible to watch. I mean, he throws 100 miles an hour, got a nasty wipeout slider, and he's got a sweet swing. I mean, you're just like, holy crap, this guy is good. But nobody really talks about him. Right? That was a good call, man. Yeah, it's... I, it, it's He's been on an awful team, team too. <laughs> no, that's probably the problem. He's, you know what? This, you know, I've got the plan, guys. So, John, I hate, I don't hate the Yankees. I hate the Yankees when they're play, playing the Mets. But I'm just going to say we need to trade. We need to trade Otani to the Yankees because the Yankees have that. It's it's the Yankees cap. Got the market. Got to do it. We we'll make them. Le- we'll they can go to the club with Aaron. It's all good. He won't I th- mind. I think he's a free agent after this year. You might not need to we trade can afford him. him. Yeah. yeah, we can afford him. It's all good. Hey, or the Mets would, would get him. I mean, they didn't get the Correa deal. Now, so, and he's won the right, you know, checks. You got all that Correa money? Yeah, oh, you got all that Correa money now. Otani to the Mets. Hashtag. I just read an article about how pissed Boris was at, at the Mets for yeah. not listening to him. Just being like, dude, I said, why are you talking to the Giants? The thing about that, I'm just going to call out for two teams to flag that. I mean, I don't know if you read about his his ankle. I didn't realize how bad it was. He's got a plate in his ankle that is basically holding his leg together. I, I can almost understand the concern. Once I started reading what was going on, I was like, oh, wait a minute. You're going to give a guy 12 years when he's he's basically got a an ankle that's a ticking time bomb? Like, he's got a shelf life. Yeah. All right, so let's get on to the next topic. So usually a quarterback heavy award. There are four big contenders that are quarterbacks for this season's NFL MVP. The betting favorite is Patrick Mahomes, but other contenders are Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and of course, Josh Allen. Now, there are some non-QB contenders, in my opinion, that are contenders for the MVP, including Justin Jefferson, Saquon Barkley, and a real dark horse pick being Micah Parsons. So, gentlemen. I like that. Who do we think is this year's NFL MVP? And I want to stress that I am asking who you think is the actual MVP and not necessarily who will win the award. Well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the award. I don't have really any doubt in that. Um, who should win it? I think that Saquon Barkley probably... I, I don't think the Giants are in the playoffs without Saquon Barkley. And it is a little because I'm biased, but I do think that. Well, the award is most valuable player, right? So, right. Yep. My most- favorite way to judge that is like, right, take him away from the team. What is the team without them? I think that Joe Burrow has a real honest chance, and I've uh, I've said it a lot of weeks in a row. I'm a you know I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. I think that they instantly got better when he showed up, and then they you know they got better even more when his buddy from Louisiana showed up, Jamar Chase. I mean, the Bengals are a team that's kind of built around Joe Burrow. Um, I'd like to see him win it. I like Joe Burrow. I'd like to see Saquon win it. I don't think, and maybe it's just the the Yankee fan in me. I, I being uh, f- getting fought against, but I don't think I'd like to see Pat uh, Mahomes win it again. I th- I think you're right. Actually, I, uh, Mahomes really hasn't won it a lot because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has won the last two. He may not mm-hmm. have deserved the the last. Like I actually think Tom Brady should have won MVP last year because he had a phenomenal year, and the Bucks definitely would not have uh, done very well without him. Uh, but personally, I my and and this is to piggyback on what you said, Pete. Uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, the the Eagles were went what uh, thirteen and two with Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback or something like that, and everyone thought that you could just slip in another quarterback, and they did try with Gardner Minshew, and they did not win the, any of those games with Gardner Minshew. So, Jalen Hurts, I think, really should be the MVP. But I think you're right, John. Uh, Mahomes is pro- is is probably going to win it. I mean, they like their guy, right? 
And a lot of sports are like this. I think Patrick Mahomes is one of the faces of the NFL right now, and I think it suits them to let him win. Absolutely. And then he had a great season, too. I mean, it's not like he didn't. Yeah, this is one of his best. You know, when I think about this, and I'm thinking about it from the point of view you said, Pete, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to surprise you guys. Mm. Pete, this is a shout-out to you, buddy. I actually think Josh Allen. I don't think the Bills mm. are in the playoffs without him. He was like the heart and soul of that team this year, man. Like, Yeah, he, I, I will say they he, are probably an eight-win team without him. <laughs> I don't know. When you just think about it like that, like carried the team. The other one I'm thinking about, and it's not just because I'm a Giants fan, I swear. Saquon, man, there's no way the Giants are. <laughs> there's no, there's, they don't have a prayer of even being in the playoffs without Saquon. So Definitely I, not. I, mm-hmm. I was, yeah. Where is they won Kansas? four games last year. Yeah, exactly. Kansas has got a lot of talent around Mahomes. Don't get me wrong. There's no question. I mean, without Mahomes, they're a different team. I love Patrick Mahomes, man. I absolutely love the guy. It's not even his best year, though. And I don't know if I just look at it. I don't think Buffalo even had a chance without Josh Allen. I think I think that's the guy. If I had to pick one, I who's your pick, Mark? That. I really think it should be Hurts, but I I'm I'm with you though. I think Mahomes is going to win it. Yeah, I I liked Hurts for it. I thought he was hands down the MVP guy until he got hurt, and then I'm like, oh crap. But that it's, just kind of proved to me that he should be the most. Like, again, this is the most valuable player, not right. necessarily the most outstanding player. And that's how it should work, right? But unfortunately. I, I don't think it does. <laughs> no. Or at least that's not how they're going to judge it, even though it should be judged that way. I, you know, I, I definitely put, put dangled that carrot out to the Giants fans. I knew you, you guys were going to say, oh, I really how are we Saquon? not going to say Saquon? Look at the year he had, man. Dude, like 1,300 yards, dude. Like the guy was a monster. He was like an old running back. Was, Isn't this a contract year for Saquon? Is he going to get a big deal, you think? I mean, it's a contract year? year for Danny Jones. That's definitely true. Who is going to be a uh, higher priority to resign? Is it going to be hmm. Danny Dimes or is it going to be Saquon? That's a good question. I think it's got to be Saquon. There's enough. I don't think medi- so. Medi- or there's enough medium level quarterbacks if they had to choose, which I don't think they do. Um, they would sign Saquon Barkley first. Running, but running backs are not valued not- as much as they used to be. I mean, right? He was healthy this year. That's not saying he's going to be healthy next year. If but he I, yeah, if he didn't have the season he had this year, he probably wouldn't be a giant in 2023. And but. there are a lot of good running backs in college, and the NFL has shown that you can easily interchange two running backs now and be just as lethal of well, a running game. Well, I mean, and I'm going to tell you, I agree with that, and I agree with that so much. I'm probably going to change my fantasy football draft strategy next year because drafting high <laughs> RB did not. Jonathan work for Taylor me this changed year you. <laughs> changed me forever. <laughs> You're oh my so God. jaded after Jonathan so jaded. Taylor. I don't even know. I don't even know how fantasy football works anymore, you guys. <laughs> On your team was that was that was pretty. By the way, I've got your trophy here, John. I got uh, I got your. Uh, I didn't come in last. You go, buddy. The sacco. I didn't. I didn't oh, lose the sacco bowl. The toilet trolley trophy. <laughs> I, I couldn't even lose right this season, you guys, right? <laughs> right. I ended up finishing like I forget. And I'll look it up when I have to think about it. But eighth or ninth, because I won. Two rounds of of the friggin' the loser bracket. What's going on with Mark right now? He he's watching Danny Jones play, and he's he's thinking, man, I would take Danny Jones over over Mac Jones any time. That's what's no, going. We got no. the better Jones, I think. Ooh, that's that's a good on. topic. Who's the better Jones? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, you can't compare that because again, we we said that Danny jo- Danny Dimes had a good year because of coaching. Can you say the same thing about Mac Jones this past season? No. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys talk about Matt Patricia. Come on, that he went to our alma mater, guys. What do you, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah I know. He has, but he's a he has. 
a pencil, guys. He has a pencil. He was a rocket engineer. He must know offense. Of course. I mean, he did so well as the head coach. What, the Lions, right? I mean, oh, he, yeah. was, he was so good. Top notch. No, we don't, we don't talk about those days. We don't talk about Bruno. Mark, I, I disagree. Man. I, you guys are really high on Danny Jones. I don't think so. I just, I don't buy it. Guys, even watching him run, he doesn't run smart. If you watch him, when he gets tackled, it's he's going to get hurt. I he's going to get hurt. He's he plays like Lamar. Yeah, he does. Oh my God! Like he doesn't he's, slide. He doesn't. I mean, he he's going to get hurt. I I'm not high on Danny Jones. You know, though I'm not sure any NFL quarterbacks slide anymore. No, they do. Some do. The the smart I mean, Mahomes slides. Yeah, Joe Mahomes. Burrow slides. The smart because, ones slide. Because they're smart. <laughs> smart runner slide, yeah. What does Josh, Josh Allen do, Pete? Let's let's he, talk about Josh Allen for a second. I have seen him slide, but when he slides, it looks like he's oh, it's very really awkward. sad. Do you Bro, think he's sad when he slides? Oh, he's very sad. When he's he can't like, stiff arm somebody or jump over them? <laughs> like He's probably mid-run. Or plow and through them. Right. He's probably mid-run, and the offensive coordinator goes into his helmet like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, no, down. Josh. Like, okay. No, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> bad josh bad josh <laughs> josh jump over him i mean he, he doesn't need the slide right yeah he, <laughs> he just, just jumps, jumps over, over guys that's <laughs> you know what's really funny about how athletic josh allen is he's really kind of a doofy looking white man yes 100 percent. he's a golden retriever in a six foot five 245 pound body it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh, he reminds me so much of um quote of the night he reminds me so much of like Doofy Teixeira, John. Like when I see him, you remember? Like, oh, that great guy's baseball a do- player. That, that man had the best too. looks at when he was at the oh. plays. Like I could talk about Goofy Mark Teixeira all night. Matt really liked me ragging on A Rod, but you guys know how I feel about A Rod. John, Jesus fucking. No, we don't feel about By the way, I should have mentioned A Rod being the the villain and not Jose Canseco. I don't know why. A Rod. A Rod is yeah, definitely every- more of a villain than Canseco. Yeah, yep. Everyone loves to hate that guy. I like oh. how he's not even denying he did steroids. Anyway, you hearing him? He's I know. Just, he's like, oh, I did him. Yeah, he's like, steroids are delicious. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> <laughs> about now, he's like, oh yeah, I did him all the time. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> you guys, you should be on steroids. They made me so strong. Yes. They made my penis so small. Oh, oh, sad panda. Oh, sad panda. That's why J Lo didn't want to marry him. Mm. <laughs> Smart girl. By the way, Mark, did you see that thing? Ben Affleck up, up in the Medford. Uh, oh, yeah. Dun- working on the Dunkin' Donuts in Medford. Yeah. He said he worked the whole morning shift. Too, yeah, didn't- I know. He just did it. People were like, wait a minute. Are, are you? Yeah. It's like, aren't you Ben Affleck? <laughs> Do you think he just yeah. decides that? He just like walks into Dunkin' and he's like a little hungover. He's addicted and he's like, to Dunkin' Donuts. He's like, can I work <laughs> you guys? He's like, of course you can. You're Ben Affleck. Here, have my apron. He. Uh, oh, all right. So J-Lo was actually on Kimmel last night. Jimmy Kimmel presented J-Lo like this Dunkin' Donuts plaque or something like that to give to her husband because Kimmel knows how much Affleck is addicted to Dunkin' Donuts. Well, she was supposedly she was sitting in the restaurant while he was doing like, I guess it was a, a they were doing some advertising, right? So she drove up and he served her. But then I guess after he finished out the morning shift. No, he, yeah, he, he worked like an entire shift. And she came inside, I guess. She just hung out inside. So people literally walk in like, is that? Ben F is is that J Lo? Like what is happening right now? She's hanging out in a Dunkin' Donuts. Like a random Dunkin' Donuts. The most Massachusetts thing I think I've ever heard. I believe that Ben Affleck worked a whole shift at Dunkin' Donuts just because he he loves it being inside Dunkin' Donuts. I don't believe that J Lo actually stayed way to Dunkin'. No. I'm inside you. <laughs> Supposedly she was sitting there the whole time. It's me. Next topic. So guys, 
I guess we're back on football. An odd story and a hilarious hashtag, kickers are people too, is coming out of the Cowboys' victory over the Bucks in the divisional round as kicker Brett Nahar misses four out of five extra point attempts, the first ever in NFL history. So this is after going 50 for 53 with extra points in the regular season and only missing six field goals, nine of which that he made were over 50 yards. Special teams coach John Fassel met with him and was quoted as saying, as a coach, I kind of live for these moments. What do you think happened to Brett Mahar? Are the yips real? And is there a moment in your sports careers, wherever you played, when you got in your own head? Uh, the yips are definitely real. And the name that definitely comes to mind is Chuck Knobloch. He was a great second baseman for the longest time, especially for the Twins. And then he gets to the Yankees and all of a sudden he forgets how to throw to, to first base from, from, from the second base uh, position, which is the shortest position in the infield to throw to first base. It was quite amazing to watch Chuck Knobloch just f- constantly fail throwing to first base. With regards to Brett Mahar, though, do I think he had, he, I mean, he probably did have the yips for that one game. Do I think he's going to have it for the next one? Probably not. As you said, he he didn't really have a big problem getting extra points during the He had the a great season. season. Honestly, he was he like great top 10 scorers in the whole NFL. Perhaps there was just something with the Tampa Bay field that it was just, maybe it wasn't the best footing, the, something wrong with the turf. I don't know. It could be something. He had a bad day. And unfortunately with how NFL kickers, it is very apparent when they're having a bad day. Meanwhile, if you're maybe a defensive lineman or something like that, it's not as apparent if you're having a bad day at the office, but everyone is watching you when you're an NFL kicker. And if you miss a kick, everyone sees it. If you miss four, that's obviously very rare, but, and everyone's going to, going to see it. So uh, I think it was a good thing that the Cowboys are supporting Brett Mahar, uh, even though they did pick up, uh, they did sign a kicker to their practice squad. Uh, but that's a, that's an insurance po- policy. Once it could be a fluke, but if it happens again in in uh, San Francisco, then they're definitely going to have a problem on their hand. But well, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, I like that Fossil was really upfront with the psychology of the whole. Isn't thing. Isn't it Fossil? A Fossil? I don't know. F- <laughs> Wasn't Jim Fossil a Giants coach? How are you mispronouncing that name? <laughs> Listen, man, I just work here. First off, I'm just going to say it. I. I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate the Cowboys, you That's guys. Uh, the, how, how surprise, surprise. The Giants fans hate the Cowboys. Oh. Yeah, I also hate the Cowboys. Stupid cowgirls. Buffalo fan hates the Cowboys too. But I mean, I'll tell you what. You got a guy with the yips and surefire way to show him your support and build up his confidence is to sign somebody else behind him. I mean, typical <laughs> Jerry Jones. I hate that guy. I mean, I mean, talk yeah. about sending a dude up like, oh, we have confidence in you, but just in case, here's a guy ready to replace you at any moment. I don't know if this is real. Maybe somebody can confirm this, but there is someone found Jerry Jones tweeted during the game. If you can kick and are currently in the stadium right now, <laughs> come on down to the field. We have a jersey for you. Hell yeah, he did. Like, I believe he would do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, it has to be real. Now, I got a question. As the resident New York City Italian, I have to ask it. What was the over-under? Was there collusion? Ooh. I've seen Unnecessary Roughness. That was the plot <laughs> of that movie. <laughs> that Irish guy definitely had a little bit of a, a gambling problem. I'll also throw out there that, I mean, I feel like the Cowboys always choke in the playoffs. So somebody had to, you know, somebody on the Cowboys had to represent. That's one reason why I picked them to lose to the Bucks. 
what I'm saying. So I thought so- they were like go- I wanted Mike McCarthy to lose, and so that the Cowboys would fire him and they would hire Sean Payton. I really thought that was gonna that was gonna happen. I mean, the Cowboys, besides that travesty, they looked really, really good. CD they Lamb. had a great plan. Offensively, CD Lamb looks like the best, uh, maybe the best wide receiver in the playoffs right now. And and they had Micah Parsons at the line of scrimmage for like every single play because he's like, well, he's our best pass rusher. Maybe we should have him pass rush every down. We know how much Tom Brady likes pass rushing. Oh, Tom Brady Difference loves maker. when people are in his Difference face. Difference maker was Dak, though. Dak, I, I didn't want to admit, Dak looked great. He like, looks great. And who would have thought that Dak would have looked great? He was 1-3 in the playoffs before. The guy has thrown 80,000 interceptions this year. So 80,000, Mark. 80,000. <laughs> okay. <laughs> who, knew, who knew that he was going to have that good of a game? So, I mean, they had to get it. They had to get the yips out somewhere, right? So, I guess yep. it's your kicker, but. I, I thought it was, I don't know. I just, I hate Jerry Jones. I don't know. <laughs> he, he works at Steinberg. The moral of the story is that, that we all hate fair. Jerry Jones. I think everybody hates Jerry Jones. The man is. I think even right. Jerry Jones staff hates Jerry Jones. Sorry, Mr. Jones. Not a sponsor of the podcast, by the Not way. Not a sponsor. No. Uh, even if he would, I don't know. If he offered the money, maybe we'd become a fan of him. But I don't, I don't think he's a sponsor gonna, anymore. We're not going to ask him. him. We're not going to ask him. Tell your souls. Don't do it. Yeah. Uncle Steve, on the other hand, we would we would uh, we would totally. Accept I like Uncle, Uncle Steve. Steve. Doesn't like Uncle Steve. I mean, come on. Excuse me, sir. Can you provide for us a next topic? So, John, you're definitely gonna love this topic. It's something we've played around with before, and now I'd actually like to hear the arguments from all of you as to why I should probably do this, gentlemen. And this is an an actual serious inquiry. Why should I get a Netflix account? Literally for everything on it. Netflix is, and I will admit, a little too expensive at this point. It's the most expensive service. But you need to watch Stranger Things. Yes, you do. You need to watch Wednesday. You need to watch Kaleidoscope. What other things does he need to watch? Um, The Pale Blue Eye. (laughs) You need to watch The Pale Blue Eye your friend Pete worked on. That that won visual effects awards for a There's uh, been multiple things that Pete's done that I haven't watched. Just saying. Ooh, that's all rough. good. That's rough, Pete. What do we feel about that? That, that hurts, Mark. I, then, I, then I think it's time to remedy that. With it's a, nothing, with Pete. It's nothing account. against you. It's nothing against you. There's just a lot of things that I should watch that I don't. There's a lot of TV. You know what, Mark? You can fix it by getting a Netflix account and watching Stranger Things and Pebble. <laughs> <laughs> you also need to watch Peaky Blinders. I'm literally just looking at all the things you mm. need to watch. Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders is Netflix. Yeah. Chris Evans' new girlfriend and Warrior Nun. Come on. That's great. She's beautiful. She kicks things. Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buck the trend. I also do not have enough. Oh, oh it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I'm not like you would ever download things illegally, but how many uh, things do you download illegally? Uh, I, I do not. I do not partake in that sort of thing, John. But like, if you were to say download things off the internet and watch them, would it be like a lot or a little? Uh, in in that situation, in that, in hypothetically that speaking, situation, majority of the content that I might watch in that hypothetical situation <laughs> might be downloaded off of things like BitTorrent and. and- <laughs> So I would say I, I, you could argue it's 98 plus percent. Um, so then maybe I'll ask, do you in this hypothetical situation where you might download things off the Internet, watch Netflix content? So actually not that often, Ooh. to be honest. I, Have I, you watched Stranger Things, though? 
I so I tried getting into Stranger Things and I was not a I didn't get into it. Oh. Did you watch Sandman though? Come on. No. Sandman that is literally the best the best thing that came out last year, I think. The Neil Gaiman Sandman remake was so so good. I've heard good things about that it's one. It's so good, Pete. So Mark, I'm not I, I can't support so first of all, this is your best running gag. I've heard it on almost every one of your podcasts. This is a good <laughs> gag, by the way. But uh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I cannot support it, man. It's too expensive. I, I was so disappointed. Netflix. So I was one of the original subscribers back in like. I like, did too. I, no, I did too. I actually had a Netflix subscription, and I got DVDs in the mail. <laughs> Guys, we're dating great. ourselves. I also got DVDs. It was mail, great. Yeah. The original Netflix service was fantastic. And even when it first went to streaming, when you still had all of that content in one place, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yes. As soon as basically all of that started to go away and suddenly Netflix is basically just their own content, I just lost interest. I, I was like, eh. There were some good shows, don't get me wrong, but I it wasn't enough for me to be like... There's something to be said for what they're trying to do and the opportunity that they took during COVID to A... Become a AAA movie studio. They're a AAA movie studio now, and that's one of the reasons they're so expensive. Speaking um, of also- AAA, Triple Frontier is another one that I worked on that Mark should watch. Oh, that's on <laughs> Netflix too. Yep, yeah. nice. <laughs> you see, their uh, their CEO just he just said he's uh, he's going to step down from C- uh, Reed Hastings. There, he's stepping down. They're interesting. The one who uh, took him from DVDs to streaming. Oh wow! Does that mean they're going to go back to DVDs? Did you guys watch the? Uh, <laughs> Also on Netflix, by the way, the documentary about the last blockbuster. No, actually, I, I no. heard about that. That's it's I, also very, very good. Wasn't isn't there um a, a TV series about the last blockbuster too? Oh, uh, that was a series that's already been canceled. That wasn't very yeah. funny at all. That's a shame. Um, but what's interesting about that is that Netflix came out and the blockbuster executives had a conversation. They built a streaming service, and they said, "Do we need this?" It was ready. It was working. All reports say pretty good, and they didn't use it, and everybody else knows the future. Well, it'll Gosh. take it'll take away from their uh, their in store stuff, John. Why would they do that? That's crazy. I know. And where they get all their money? Snacks. Yep. Hmm. I mean, who's who's not going to go to a blockbuster store and and rent movies? Yeah. I mean, I'm an extrovert, and I don't want to rent movies from a store anymore. But I I'm going to date us here for a minute, guys. Come on, you all remember like as a kid that day, like, hey, we're going to blockbuster. We're going to blockbuster. Yeah, we're going to go watch like. That was like a thing. That, that was, was a magical time, yes. And then you got there and all the things you wanted to watch were already taken out. So then you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> what are we going to go see in something like three years old? But I mean, I also liked playing King's Quest Four when I was a kid, but do I want to play a text-based RPG right now? Well, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but no, not. I don't. I don't. Things were cool when we didn't know better things existed and now they do. I, I see. That's the problem. I'm, I'm with Mark on this. I don't think Netflix is better now. I'm kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't make the best content. And and I've said this before. I think that Apple TV and HBO yeah. pre-takeover makes the best content. House of the Dragon was balls out amazing. What's the one on Apple TV about the business, Pete? I just forgot. Severed. Uh, Severed. Severed yeah. Maybe the best show of the whole year, too. Severed Super. was Severance. absolutely. Severance. Severance. Severance, Severance was amazing. Severance, yes. There is a lot of really good content. Now... I have a weird type of ADHD where I can watch content probably while we're on the podcast and devour it. And so I watch a lot of television. John's watching um, a show right now. 
right now. Season three of Ted Lasso, by the way, coming out. Hell yeah, Ted Lasso. I mean, Apple TV is making great content. What's happening with the other streaming services is they're doing the slow play in the poker hand where they know that Netflix can charge $25 and still do pretty good. And they're all like, come on, five bucks, you guys. First one's free. I don't know, man. I I don't like what's going on in the whole streaming service thing. I, I the streaming wars. I hate that Disney's starting to own everything. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Everyone just wants their piece of the pie. Yeah, and they're they're recreating cable first of all. They're recreating I'm- cable exactly. Yes. All uh, the streaming was- services now, and it's only going to get worse. But they're they're going to be more expensive than cable now. I having- was definitely flipping through the, the streaming channels the other day, I mean, it was as satisfying as flipping through channels as I remember, which none of the younger listeners will remember. I was just about to say, like, if only there was one place where we could subscribe to with everything all at once. Well, you know what cable did that that really screwed the pooch? Cable started to bundle channels. And channel bundles are the worst because you start paying, you know, an extra $20 a month for like, you know, rhinoceros HD, where you literally just watch (laughs) rhinos run across the... Pooping. Pooping, right. In HD. You're like, well, I don't want... High death pooping want to watch rhino scat porn right like it's not what i'm into <laughs> wow we're talking about rhino porn now All right. yeah that's what um, we're doing i went there it's totally gonna be one of the hashtags for the episode though <laughs> rhino porn. this is the problem right this is what business wants there's another period in time in another industry we all remember very with a huge heart the 1990s with cds one good song and 10 crap songs on a cd like the mm-hmm. Like we all remember that that this is they love to do this and they they sell it as oh you're getting more it's like yeah but I'm not getting anything good I'm getting one good thing and everything else see I like the state and and I think you're right but I like the state of digital music right now and I think the thing about that is it's had the longest to adapt to the internet I think that was the first one that really made the switch. Yeah. And we're at the point where where like streaming media like so TV movies is making the switch. I think that video games is at a really good inflection point where the possibility the technology exists to stream video games and I I mean I played XCloud, I played Stadia, both really nice, very comfortable experiences with a you know a Bluetooth remote on my tablet. And so I think I think movies have to follow suit. I think the movie theaters need to figure out what to do because I don't think people want to go to the movies anymore. Like I really like the movies as a as a person who likes to go and sit down and have the experience, but it's definitely not necessary to watch a AAA movie anymore. Nope. In a movie theater. And wasn't, so All right, wasn't Regal doing a thing where like you could pay, I mean it was a lot of money, but you you like paid 40 or 50 bucks and you have exclusive rights to like a brand new release. So you, so you get five or six people together and some popcorn and it, you save money that way. Well, during COVID, they were selling, you were getting AAA re-streaming, not from Regal though, but you were selling it for like $25 and you'd watch a new movie. Yeah. Are they still doing that or did that end when... People... I don't know if that was a Regal thing, but I don't think they're still doing that. Hmm. I think um, I think they should stream. They own all the licensing. They should. I still think have have a play though because... It's an experience, right? You can go there, and I, I there's this there was a spot in Brooklyn, so I used to live in Brooklyn, um, up until literally a few months ago. It was called the Nighthawk Theater. So shout out to Nighthawk. I know it doesn't sponsor your podcast, but I'm just <laughs> not a sponsor. It was this cool theater. It was retro. You'd go in there. They served you food, right? Like you you went in there. You could have a whole meal there. You could have a beer there. You could have this whole experience, and you're watching this movie, and you're just sitting there enjoying yourself. They would run all these promos of like. Hey, we're going to do Rocky Horror Picture Show. Come come get dressed up, right? They do all these things. 
And it was like an experience. And I, I still think there's a play for theaters if they wanted it. I love that. but And, and I, I've thought that before where it needs to become more than cheap popcorn and cheap nachos and too many people, right? And I think that's really possible the way that movies, movie licensing works right now. I mean, I've already been like they're all over Massachusetts, right, Mark? Dinner in the movie theaters. Mm hmm. Yeah, so we can do that already. I think AMC is the theater that has the large recliner chairs that we don't have any by us, but I think that's a great idea. Something different, right? Anybody want a next topic? So guys, it's the time of the podcast where we talk about the MCU. You guys all know how I feel about the MCU. Uh, in a few weeks, and for my birthday, like they typically do, thanks Disney, Marvel will be releasing the first movie in Phase 5, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Uh, phase 5 is scheduled to go through 2024, and again, will include a mix of theatrical and television releases. Uh, more importantly, it will introduce our next big bad, Kang the Conqueror, played by an amazing Jonathan Majors. So guys... How excited are we about Ant-Man and the promise of a villain more dangerous than Thanos? So excited. So, But first of all, Ant-Man, and I don't know if it's because it's Paul Rudd, but uh, actually it's probably more because it's Paul Rudd. But Ant-Man is it's actually... Paul Rudd. Yeah. Ant-Man is actually one of my more favorite franchises for with regards to the movies because it's it's very entertaining. It's, it's Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd. One and two are top ten for me. And um, I've seen them all. And Every I, I, piece of it. I love Evangeline Lilly too. Like I think she's she, she's one of the more gorgeous uh, women in the MCU as well, and the fact the whole rapport that they have back and forth, like, I I think is is amazing. So I I am definitely looking looking forward. And Michael uh, to Douglas is literally Hank Pym. Yes, he is literally Hank Pym. Uh, is Michelle yes. Pfeiffer in the new Ant Man? She is. She okay. is. So the plot for f folks who don't know the team, so the Pims and the Wasp, Evangeline Lilly's character and Paul Rudd and uh, a new character. Her name is Stature. She's uh, Ant-Man's daughter. Um, they all get sucked into the quantum realm. And um, there are some adventures in a world that exists underneath our toes. I have to admit, I felt like the MC MCU was pretty listless in phase four. Like they had a lot of duds come out. I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're a little bit right about that. I mean, yeah. I think they were more concentrated on the Disney plus content than they were the movies. Yeah. It seemed like they were having an identity crisis after in the, the fallout of Endgame. Although I love Loki. Loki was, yes. I think, by far the best of all of the Disney plus. Uh, I think series. Hawkeye was my favorite. Hawkeye mm -hmm. was hilarious. Hawkeye mm -hmm. was literally um, die hard for me it was so good <laughs> but hawkeye was good I, I like the ones you mentioned but no for for me it was wandavision was awesome it was such a different I like wandavision oh, it was different I, I still need to see that and i really oh my god to. pete i know get netflix man <laughs> I, I thought it was just the most unique it was a different direction for the mcu it felt that way like it was like it, it just it it felt to me like it took it in a slightly different direction and i, I appreciated that I, I liked a lot of the shows though I think they had a lot of work to do this phase and they had a lot of work to do because if um, Eternals had taught us anything, if you don't introduce characters, if you don't build yeah. the audience's care for a character, when you're trying to do something like a team up movie, which Thunderbolts is going to be in this phase and Secret Wars is going to be in this phase, nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, you you're know, absolutely right. Phase three was a, was a giant end. I mean, it was literally yeah. called Endgame. So... Right. For phase four, you had to kind of build up a lot of other potential storylines, and now they're going all intertwined. So there's a lot of potential for phase five, I think. Let's see how Marvel really does I it. Bring, I bring up Kang, and I bring up Kang because um, 
I think that it is a purposeful choice to start phase five with the antagonist being the big bad for five and six. Um, Kane the Conqueror, he's a Time Lord, you guys, and he might have been already messing with everything that's going on. And that was one of my uh, odd theories, right? The characters don't even know they're being messed with at this point. And that's mm-hmm. why, and, and the listlessness that we're speaking to on Phase 4, that's why there really wasn't a villain. I mean, there wasn't mm-hmm. a major antagonist. There wasn't a big team. But they're doing all that work, right? Like, the Thunderbolts are in place. The Thunderbolts being a bad guy team with the new Black Widow, with the new Captain, with uh, U.S. Agent, the, the bad Captain America, with the new Hulk, which is going to be Abomination, with probably Bucky again, because everybody loves to stick Bucky in something. To your point, though, Ant-Man and the Wasp does look good. I mean, I think the big question after Phase 3 was, hey, who's going to be the next villain? Who's right? the like, next who, Thanos, yeah. Who can top Thanos? I mean, it was Thanos. And right. so far, they introduced him, right, to your point, Mark, in, in Loki. And you're kind of like, okay, who is this guy? This is interesting. And so far, at least the trailers are releasing. I mean, it looks like they're doing they're doing King pretty And good. Jonathan Majors is just a fantastic actor. Absolutely. Yeah, He's going to be in the new... Um, Creed movie, oh. which looks really mm. great. Okay. And he was in um, Lovecraft Country, which, if you guys haven't seen it, is worth a watch. It's a period piece, but it's awesome, and it's creepy, and he's awesome. He's just so good. So, like, he really is a scene stealer. Earlier in the year when they were filming for Kang Dynasty, which is the next Avengers movie, um, Simu Lee, who plays Shang-Chi, said, you guys are in a lot of trouble on his Twitter because there's just Jonathan Majors. He's fighting and, you know, he's doing his act fighting and he's just totally jacked, like this big, big dude, right? So after experimenting a lot in phase four, you know, I'm just looking at the lineup. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of safe bets is what I'll call it. Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? right? Like they're established characters. Yeah. It's kind of coming to the, well, we don't know this, but it, you know, the the belief is it's possible they're going to come to the end of the journey right here for at least one of the characters. Hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, following through, they've already said that's the last one of those. The Marvel's kind of wild card. That's the one I'm kind of feeling the least interested in, but Captain America, New World Order, right? They built that up. Thunderbolts. The wild card for me, the one I'm really curious about, and just because I loved those late 90s, early 2000 movies, John's already smiling. I see what he's is blade i'm like yeah yes like i just hear his voice at the end of the eternals yeah okay that's cool another great actor marshall lee he's going to be blade he's very excited where does uh where does x-men fall into this at all do we know so we have already throughout phase four introduced the possibility of mutations in the x gene right i'm gonna just be an MCU nerd for you guys. The Miss Marvel show, um, there was some news articles that if you paid attention or you watched the clips afterwards, um, you could see where they're talking about a man with claws getting into bar fights. <laughs> so they are Who coming. Could that be? Um, right. <laughs> Who could that be? Um, the idea is that the existence of the Eternals has introduced the, um, for X-Men fans, the X-Gene, the thing that gives mutations. And the movie is going to be called, I think, The Mutants or something along those lines. And I think it's set for Phase 5. I just love the little Patrick Stewart cameo in Thor yes. 4. Were they, Spoiler the, alert. I mean, you have to say it now. because <laughs> It's too the late. Most, spoiler the, alert. Yeah. The most, it's most spoiler. If you haven't seen Doctor Strange 2. Was it Doctor Strange or Thor? It was, it was Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange oh, it was because Doctor Strange. Like, and the Multitude of Madness. Okay. Yep. Yes, I'm sorry. But the best part about that was the... 
the nineties cartoon theme that they yes. wrote into the na, 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 na. Yes. Da, na, 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 na. No, and he had the yellow And he had the yellow chair. Totally and the yellow chair, chair, yes, the yellow chair. I know the Eternals was not it was, that was just a bad movie, but I'm gonna say most disappointing movie for me was that one. Was Doctor Strange too. Like hmm. I really? thought they did such a disservice. They took Doctor Strange and it wasn't a Doctor Strange movie. It was basically about all the characters around him. And honestly, watching Wanda's arc in WandaVision, I'm trying not to give this away a piece, I'm gonna do my best, but like watching what happens to her in that movie, I thought that was a complete disservice to her character. Like mm, it was okay. cool that they showed just how powerful the Scarlet Witch was. I'm nerding mm, out too, I'm so sorry. Super okay. powerful. Like, cause she is like the most powerful one of them all. Absolutely. Like, so they do show you that, but it was like what they did with her character arc, I just thought was so disappointing. It was. I don't know whether or not yeah, I applaud bad. her anger at the misogyny of the world, at Doctor Strange breaking time and still being a good guy, and her really just being angry about all the bad things that have happened to her in her life, yeah. which is really what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. She wants her children back. She wants her husband back. She just mm -hmm. wants her life to be the way she wants it to. And wait a second, we learned in WandaVision, she can have whatever she wants because she's essentially remaking reality. It's okay, I did know that. But <laughs> I guess I felt like the character arc in WandaVision was her coming to terms with that to some degree. And then it's like they they just opened it back up. They're just like, oh, by the way, she. I get it. The dark hold. I get all that. Like I, I know that whole. I was gonna say, did you watch the after credits? Because she was definitely reading the dark hold at the end of Wandavision. Supposedly the dark hold. It's this book. Everybody that's evil, and it, it had a hold of her, and it. But I, I, I don't know. That that seemed like a cop out to me. It really did. I was, I was. They, they. I, it was probably more because they wanted they wanted to keep her as a as a good guy. So. If, because there, you're absolutely right. If they, if they kept the Scarlet Witch as like a bad character, then I think there's actually more potential for that in in the MCU potentially. And she, oh my God, she, by far she is the most powerful being as well. So, so in for those comic book nerds out there in the House of M arc that's in print, Scarlet Witch kills every mutant in the whole universe. Mm. She just ends reality because. She, um, in the X-Men side, is the daughter of Magneto. And she, essentially, for the same reasons, she loses her children. She just goes crazy and is fed up and is super powerful and says, nope, everybody doesn't have powers right now. Scarlet Witch is a bad guy, straight up. Yeah. There is, there is no rub guy. or run about it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like she was in the wrong circumstances. Well, I'm just talking about the character itself. I know that in MCU, it was like phrased somewhat differently. And there was a little bit of gray around her storyline, which I actually really like. I, I, I think the moral ambiguity is good, like that mixing that in. But I, in my mind, it didn't buy, I didn't buy the story arc. That was my issue. It was the way, where they left her at the end of WandaVision and then where they took it. And I'm sorry, Sam Raimi needs to stop making movies. After <laughs> Spider-Man and then this, I was like, Sam Raimi, yeah. please stop. I don't disagree. The um, the Sam Raimi, the zombie movie horror arc of Multiverse of Madness wasn't my favorite part. I thought it was a disservice. I would love to see him in. I would love to see Doctor Strange in Phase Four. That said, I he's going to be in fa Phase yeah, yeah, Five. Doctor Strange Three is going to have um, his wife, a former, a fellow uh, Sorcerer Supreme. Um, Cleo, I think her name oh, is. Oh, Charlize Theron. I love Hell her. Hell yeah. 
I love her. They're going to go back into the dark dimension. They're going to fight Nors Dormu. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You had another person that I would probably watch doing anything. She might be above uh, Ryan Reynolds. Interesting. All He's right. more charismatic, though. Oh, but Charlie's Theron. <laughs> By the way, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, we totally missed it. So happy that cameo in Spider-Man, and now he's back. Daredevil, born again. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. yes. He's in this phase. Oh, Dude. I'm so happy. I was like, yes, Charlie. I love Charlie Those, Cox. Yes, that series, that and Jessica Jones were some of my favorite TV. Actually, also used to be on Netflix. I don't know if they are anymore, but. That that was one of my favorite things to work on. It was one of the first thing I did when I got into like the visual effects industry. Were were those Marvel shows? Oh my god, that was so cool! And like what? And they hold up, I think, too. But come on, guys, how did you do that? I'm a really good lawyer. So yeah. so so <laughs> so so good. Catches that brick out of the air. <laughs> so so good. He's gonna um, the next show he's gonna be in is in Phase Four. He's gonna be in the Echo Show, which is the character they introduced in. Hawkeye. I'm excited. Next topic it is. So unfortunately, the Mets lost the big Carlos Correa sweepstakes. But that didn't stop them from signing big contracts to Justin Verlander, Edwin Diaz, and Brandon Nemo. So gentlemen, although this is, let's be honest, this is mainly for Jeffem. Are the Mets done with their spending spree or are there more big contracts forthcoming? Uncle Steve's purse is pretty big. So uh... Uncle Steve's purse is big. So I was floored that the Korea, I mean, he's already got what, I believe it's over 300 million committed. I mean, I was floored when the Korea contract came out. I mean, half, half a billion dollars. That, that was, those are some numbers right there. Mm-hmm. But um, that said, I, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about who's left out there to get. I was, I was there's not a lot of big names. Yeah. Uh, mean, Gary Sanchez is still available. Yeah. Uh, Jerkson Profar, Michael Waka, Zach Greinke. Zach I heard they're in the market for an outfielder still. Yeah, we're looking for another outfielder. We we missed out on um on the Pirates there on Andrew McCutcheon. We wanted him as a DH slash outfielder. Um, so Profar is a left fielder. Uh, yeah, left fielder, and he played for the Padres last year. It's kind of actually funny that he's still he's he's actually a, he's a very good player. It's I'm actually a little surprised that he's still available. Yeah, that is that is weird actually. But um, I'm gonna say I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with if we if we fielded this team right now. I think the Mets. I mean, it, we got a good team. The only thing I'm worried about, honestly, I I was a little heartbroken that Jacob Degrom left. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I I I think Texas is going to regret that contract. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that was a mistake. I don't sure. think. I, I think what the the avenue the Mets were going in terms of years was a better buy. I I Jake, I love that guy. He is one of my favorite pitchers. But he cannot stay healthy. The last three, four years, the dude cannot stay healthy. So I think Texas made a mistake. Um, that said, I'm a little worried. We got an old pitching staff. <laughs> very old. I mean, you guys just seem to be just stacking. I, I looked at all the free agent signings. So I'm, I'm sure you're very happy with Edwin Diaz getting signed to a five-year, $102 million deal. I thought that was crazy. Uh, Justin Verlander is making $43 million for the next two years. Uh, but you also into his forties. Into his forties, um, wow. you Adam Ottavino got signed. He's thirty-seven. David Robertson got signed. Remember him from the Yankees? Um, and Jose Quintana, who's also kind of up there. Uh, hey man, I love David Robertson. That's a quality. That's a quality baseball player. 
but it it does seem like the the Mets is just like if if you had a good arm at one point and you're you're almost about to retire, then I, See, think I have a really important question. Did his socks get a separate contract for who? For David Robertson and his big socks. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> you guys don't <laughs> oh, think I'm that's funny right. anymore. This, yeah, he, he wears the knee highs. Yeah, man. Yeah, he does. He's a, he's oh. a true baseball player. Uh, oh, uh, so outfield, they just, this happened today, actually. Tommy Pham got signed by the Mets for one year, $6 million. Jesus. Yeah, no, it's the Mets are spending. Another aging uh, baseball player. He's 30, it 35. Hmm. Yeah, it reminds me, A, of the behavior of the, of the Yankees in the 2000s, where you're just like, oh, who's a good player? Let's just sign them. That'll make us better. Um, what worries me about this team, honestly, is there's plenty of talent, but they remind me a lot of the 2006 Mets, where I loved that team, but the team was old, and they got to the end of the season. Everybody, all the old players got hurt. That was the year we had Pedro, we had freaking um, Cliff Floyd, we had, and, and just everybody was getting hurt. So we entered the playoffs. Cliff basically. Floyd, I love that name. <laughs> We entered the, and we had to Tom Glavin and like, I mean, it was an old team. So it was a great team. We made it to the playoffs, but we got there and, uh, oh, we had El Duque on that team. I mean, El Duque. Hmm. Oh, Duque big got hurt. kick. Yep. Oh yeah, man. So El Duque got hurt. Pedro got hurt. Like basically we're starting Glavin and then they had to pull up the rookies. Basically we had um, Oliver Perez. I mean, we had some names that year, but my point is, the result is we we washed out in the NLCS. We just didn't we, we didn't have the pitching that we had too many people hurt. So that's my worry with the Mets. Our, this team looks a lot like 06 and I I I'm just worried. I watched Justin Verlander last year. He was great during the season. He ran out of gas in the playoffs. I, I mean, he totally did that. He was still good. He's still Justin Verlander, but I, I don't know when you've got older players, that's the issue, man. It's a 162 game season, then it's, you know, What's I'm really glad he's in the National League. I have nightmares about Justin Verlander. Oh, dude. I mean, he's still, again, still got the talent. He's just... All right, really, thanks for keeping him over there with you guys. <laughs> We're still going to be facing you all the time. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's not, in the AL, it's not in the American League playoffs, which is where Justin Verlander has literally beat us for the last, I don't know, seven years. But what happened with the Mets last year was that that was it, man. I mean, Jacob deGrom... Was hurt most of the year, came in and ran out of gas in the playoffs. He could not locate. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. He was all over the plate. And that is not how that guy pitched. We guys had no offense Scherzer. either. Well, then, but then Scherzer, same deal, right? He gets hurt oh, in September. Scherzer, yeah. He did not, he was not the same pitcher. The dude was, he, they were just pounding him. Like it, he could not, he couldn't get anybody out. So that's yeah, the issue. Right? The that whole game plan of having two big aces, but ones that get hurt sometimes or well one that gets hurt one that's on the on the on the downhill with regards to uh his age is uh yeah not a not a good plan and but you know they decided to upgrade from a young jacob de to an ancient justin verlander so maybe that'll help um i mean i mentioned this last week i I it it's almost like that uh, they're trying to reform the 2012 Detroit Tigers. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for them to just re-sign Prince Fielder out of retirement. <laughs> Prince they, Fielder, they bring Miggy back. Miggy Cabrera, yeah, I know he's. Um, what's he doing now? He's probably not. Can I just either. reiterate how happy I am with the Carlos Rodon signing by the Yankees? Yeah, that was a good signing. I think I even scooped that story before it happened. I knew it was going to happen. Ooh. That was good. No, that was a good signing. The Yankees look good this year, man. I'm, I'm jealous. You guys look really good. As long as Derek Cole, or Garrett Cole can get out of his own effing way, stop crying about everything. 
you know, you want to talk about the yips, man. Garrett Cole after the oh, whole spider yeah. attack thing. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> I couldn't get anybody out. It was like, okay. That fucking, that fucking guy. But, but, my, but my tar. I can't hold the ball. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's like, okay, man. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding. You get us together, bro. We have lots of those in the Yankees. Kenny Rogers, Jim Abbott. Didn't have lots of ground too. AJ Burnett. AJ Burnett. Hey, didn't Jim Abbott throw a no hitter while he was in the Yankees? Though? Yeah, that's like in you know April. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> Kenny <laughs> Rogers literally left the Yankees. Came to the Yankees on a big contract. Did horribly. Left the Yankees and became Kenny Rogers again. And yeah. Well, he was on the Rangers. Like he's a he's only good Kenny Rogers on the on the Rangers. I don't know. Only Kenny Rogers on the Rangers. But hey, like I said, uh, Gary Sanchez is available still. I heard. I heard. No, I. I well, I think we can pass. We just signed. We re-signed our our catcher too. Oh, I'm saying. I'm saying the Yankees can sign Gary Sanchez oh, again. No, oh, but um, you know, when I think about the Yankees, the guy I always feel bad about though, I always feel bad about Mike Messina. He was like the Moose. best pitcher that could never win. Like, never. Baltimore, he was electric. He came to the Yankees. He was still really good on the Yankees. He, he was had on a couple a of good seasons on the Yankees. I think he was part of that um, that last team that won. No, no, he, no, he wasn't. Before, John. Before they won. No. Tired in 08, he won in 09. <laughs> like, I felt so bad for him. Poor Mike Messina. Potentially the best pitcher that has never won a World Series. Was he even in the playoffs? He was in the playoffs, right? He made the playoffs in 04, I think, with the Yankees. Okay. I think it was 03 and 04. Was that the last time Baltimore was good back in the 90s with him on it? <laughs> oh, technically Baltimore was pretty good last season. I'm hope I'm hopeful for the Mets, but I uh, I'm definitely nervous about how old the team is. And that's mm. that, that'd be my summary. It's the final topic. So guys, now for something completely different. The U.S. women's national soccer team started their 2023 season with a win in New Zealand. After a scoreless first half against New Zealand, the U.S. got a pair of second half goals from Mallory Swanson and goals from Alex Morgan and Lynn Williams that ended up winning 4-0. Swanson is playing her first match since marrying Cubs shortstop Dansby Swanson and is in the form of her career looking dangerous on the pitch. So while the final score was lopsided, the U.S. team has a lot of work to do if they want to win this summer. So do you guys think the U.S. will be more or less excited for the women's team to play? And do you think they can win this year? So that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I think the women, I think they, they did a very similar strategy with the men because they're trying to get a little younger. Although Alex Morgan is on the team and I believe Megan Rapinoe is also on the, on the team. She is. Um, but I mean, other than that, the the old guard has has pretty much left. I I don't really know where the women are going to stand. I mean, the women have been definitely more dominant than the men have on the world stage. Oh yeah, and especially in in, in recent years, uh, which has always, by the way, boggled me the fact that the women had to fight to get equal pay with the men when the women have just been so much better than the men, uh, especially in the big international uh, tournaments. But I'd argue they're more entertaining too. They're they're definitely more entertaining. Um, so they're better. <laughs> so well, I mean, the jury is out. I I'm not as uh, as up to the uh, the younger players uh, as I was like the the Megan Rapinos and the Carly Lloyds. The jury's still out on them. Uh, I mean, it, the American team has always had some great teams in the past. Where are now the 
the one thing that has happened with the the women's national team that is very similar to what happened with USA men's basketball is that the world is caught up. Um, when the Dream Team first came out in 1992, I mean, they were just over and above the every other team that was out there, and they just dominated everyone. But eventually, the rest of the world caught up to them, and I believe that the same thing has happened with the the women women's soccer. Countries like Japan and Germany, um, and I believe uh, uh, there's another European team that I I can't think of right now. Uh, but the, the more and more more and more uh, women's teams have are getting better. So uh, are the American women the the favorites to the World Cup? Uh, probably I don't think they are, but. Uh, I, I think they, the jury's still out on how well they'll be able to perform together because there is a lot of a lot of now young. So just because I don't watch a ton of soccer, I did have to look this up. The women, uh, the U.S. women are number one, mm-hmm. uh, with Germany following a close second, and Sweden, England, and France. In the Sweden, top five. Sweden was the one I was I was thinking of. And so total points um, for the American women uh, last season were two thousand seventy eight, and for the German women two thousand seventy three, and then. Everybody else is twenty behind them, so they are the two top teams in the world. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But again, there's uh, the American women got younger, just like the men did, and we saw the men do a pretty good job with the with a younger roster, even though they had a hard time scoring. Um, aside from Christian uh, Polishik, I think they have more weapons than the men's team does. Just in general, they have a lot more ways to win. Like Pulisic went down in the uh, the World Cup for the men, and they were really in a lot of trouble. I think the women are definitely deeper than than the men, but so but we'll see. I think uh, I'm, I'll definitely be rooting for them. We'll we'll see what happens. In research for this, you guys um, found some wedding pictures for Dansby and Marilee Swanson. They are very beautiful people. I'm not sure the gene pool <laughs> needs to be that stacked. I would I mean, look that up now. Anybody who's listening. How are, they, how are they compared to, like, Zach and Julie Ertz? Jesus, dude. Like, literally just, like, perfect faces, perfect skin, perfect hair. Like, and wait, they're both professional athletes. They're both professional athletes. Yeah, John, you did show me that picture before. They're, it's a very beautiful couple. Although I do still think that the guy's got totally, like, 1988 perm hair. I showed Melanie um, t- this today um, while we were eating dinner, and she was like, she was in for Dansby, but then she was like, his name's Dansby. Like, what a stupid name. <laughs> Dansby. Like, who names their child Dansby? I don't know. I don't know. Rich people. Rich people name their child Dansby. Yeah. It reminds me, I was watching um, Kingsman, like the, the first the first one, uh, The Secret Service. I love those. I love those movies. And All three of them are amazing. Dansby definitely or makes me think of, like, that was one of the characters' name in Kingsman. Yes, Dansby. It's like, gosh, my name is Dansby from Oxford. Oh, very good, very good. Nobody watches women's soccer, man. I think that's that's why they don't get paid the same. It's it sucks. They've been good for a long time. I mean, ranked number one for thirteen years. I mean, Jesus. But it, it, I think it's the problem of all the women's sports: WNBA, women's soccer. They all suffered same issue. It's just not. It's not as popular. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's right because the World Cup is a different story, though. There's just as many people that watch the women's World Cup as as the men's, at, at least in this country. And especially yeah. because the women tend to get a little bit further than the men do, then I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you count total numbers, and technically more people are watching the women than the men. I think this has been kind of a repeat topic that we've been going over about um, over the last few weeks of the podcast. Is that people watch sports for the story? Um, they watch sports for the drama. I mean, sometimes they watch sports just for the sports, but a lot of that is boring. Um, <laughs> and I think 
the World Cup is a really cool story, and it's really cool when um, we as America, who doesn't really, you know, we don't really follow soccer like the rest of the world, no. that we go far. So I think the women's team will get views. I think people will watch. I think they might win. I hope they do. Will it change the way that we view soccer when it's not World Cup's time? I don't think so. As I just don't think there's enough drama in soccer. I actually think that... One of the, one reason why Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino are on this roster is because those are two names that people know. Yeah. Um, because I I couldn't I couldn't really name anyone other than those two. And again, I I mean I kind of follow uh, the women's so- uh, national team, but uh, the casual fan definitely does not. Yeah. You know I I mean that said, last year when they were in the you know they were in the semifinals there I. I was um, I was still living in Brooklyn, and below the Brooklyn Bridge, there's this um, archway, and they had they had the game played there, and it was packed. I mean, people were all there watching the game. It was cool as hell. They were pro- projecting it onto the bridge, and um, hmm. that's so, super cool. Wow, that is cool. It was really cool. Um, and just thinking about it, it was like I was surprised. I was like, wow, that there's actually legit a number of people watching this. So. It is funny in general, though, soccer in this country, I mean, back to living in Budapest, I, what you started me with there, Mark, soccer is huge. Sorry, football is huge everywhere else. I football. mean, literally yes. everybody watches it in Europe. I mean, it's crazy. and they can Fanatical, make, yeah. It's fan, Exactly. It's fanatical. And somehow the U.S., it's just never caught on. It's It's kind of crazy. And the number of kids that play the sport, I mean, I played it when I was a kid. But it just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's a lack of action. I don't know if it's a lack of marketing. I don't, it just it's has marketing. Not. It's marketing. I, and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You need a Tiger Woods type um, athlete in order to bring in a crowd like that. And that's the only reason why golf became so popular in this country was because of Tiger Woods. But we, I mean, I, I want to give the female soccer teams a credit. I mean, there were some names that I remember, like Hope Solo, Abby Wambach, mm-hmm. Mia Hamm. I mean, like back in the day, like they've had players. Absolutely. You know, had players that are huge. And they won with those players too. Yeah. You know what though? People unfortunately forget about them every, uh, they only remember about them every four years because of the World Cup. And it's only become very recent that the, there's been a, a pretty good professional league in the, in the States uh, the the National Women's Soccer League, and I, I don't remember how many teams are in that right now, but that, that that is starting to gain a little bit more traction. The WNBA is starting to gain a little bit more traction, while the uh, I mean it's it's taking a lot longer than you know some of the men's leagues and whatnot. But th- I think there is room for women's professional sports leagues in this country. Um, you know, especially if baseball decides to go by the wayside because people don't care about that anymore. We've talked about it, but I think Brittany Griner's definitely doing the right thing. She's, you know, first yeah. getting on back on the professional horse as national it were. stage. So, but the national stage, she's going to bring a lot of eyes on the WNBA. That first and, game that she plays in the WNBA, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to watch that. A lot of people. I'm going to go. Uh, my sister Melanie is a big WNBA fan, a really big Brittany Griner fan. She asked if we wanted to go, and I think bringing Jamie would be super cool. So I think we're going to go nice. probably in the summer at some point. Down to uh, like a Liberty game? Uh, down to a Mercury game. Which I think they're playing in Connecticut at some point this year, or at least the way she's taught. I think oh, yeah. they're going to play. It's a lot easier Fox. to go to Mohegan than it is to go to. Yeah, the I Mets think they're going to play in Mohegan, and the Mercury in general, right? Super stacked. 
if anybody doesn't know actually let me they, know about that i'm actually i'm a lot closer to mohegan than you are i would actually watch that game do you want to come with us that'd yeah. be super fun sure maybe i'll sing at that game i've actually Hell the yeah. last the last time i sang a national anthem was actually at a uh uh a connecticut sun game yeah right yeah i forgot mark is a prolific national anthem singer so that has been our 10 topics. Please follow or like us on our socials at if these balls pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also find us on Facebook. Our website is www.ifthesballscouldtalkpod.com where you can find out more about us. We would like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. This is Mark Pesci. And for my partner, John Campania and producer, Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk.